Hi, I'm John Fallon. And I'm Tobias Dobie. And welcome to the Good Game Podcast. This is a podcast with two teachers talking about how games are changing education for the better. Tobias, how's it going over there? It's good. It's once again approaching or way into fall by now. And uh, everything's dark and cozy and nice, like we talked about in the last intro. Um, spring, no, no um, fall. Do you have like a not spring break, but autumn break in the States? Uh, it depends. We're, uh, let's see. Uh, we just had, Ra- uh, my wife just had Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and in a week or so, we'll have Columbus Day. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's uh, kind of kind of like a culture war going on in the school calendars where some schools have gotten rid of Columbus Day because, you know, he was a, a rapist slaver who um, was a generally awful person. Um, and actually, some people have turned it into like Indigenous Peoples Day, which I think is a good flip. Um, but often, I don't know if that often comes with a day off. Probably depends. It depends right. on your district. Um, Are we now? No. That's about like... it. Yeah. Yeah, we have no like. There's no like national holidays or holidays of any sorts this month. It's just um, yeah. There's one week of of uh, where schools off for, uh, and it's it's in different the diff- week is in different counties uh, around in, around the country. Uh, so uh, where I live, it's it's next next week. So there's no teaching for me next week, which is nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. It, it's not a but it's not as I I've have like can afford the luxury of actually taking the whole week off or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um we have yeah it's, it's usually just a day or two. October is pretty late, which I kind of like because it gives us some um, momentum going into the school year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, nothing else. November over here. Yeah. So this episode we're talking about Minecraft. It is the things. Minecraft episode because we had to do a Minecraft episode, obviously. Obviously, um, it is a Minecraft episode. So for uh, you teachers out there, many of you. Uh, certainly have heard of Minecraft your, your students or your children or yourself might, might be really into it. Um, and it's kind of an interesting beast because it just hit its 10th birthday, not too long ago. Um, and, uh, to be as you uh, are a self-described Minecraft hipster. So you were early yes. in on it. Yeah. And I, re- I certainly remember when it came out. Um, yeah, uh, the- I remember like this when it was still this weird little little indie title that was mm-hmm. made by this Swedish guy. When it was there was still I don't I the, the Java edition like the Java edition that you can play in your browser is probably long gone. Or... Uh, I think it's still I know that they have Java edition, but I think that's just what they call the PC version, right? Um, which I think is just like hearkening back to when it was like that. Yeah, that's just what they call the the, the Windows version. Right. Uh, yeah, but I, I remember playing it. I think it was in the beta. It might actually have been the alpha as well. When there was super bare bones, there were there was like obviously this the survival mode, but there were like very few, very little of the stuff that's in now was mm-hmm. there at the time. But we had like a friend of mine had, had his. Um, had our server running and on his desktop and was basically like on all the time. So I used hmm. to log on and just check out what, what my other, I was at the university at the time. Um, and just log on and check whatever the other guys had made. Um, my like, big project was building an underground forest, but then I realized I had to dig out like a met, like several metric tons of rock. <laughs> so that was quickly abandoned. But yeah, I, I, I remember like being this, this um, quirky little game that let us like, build stuff together. Uh, and then I think I only think we played it for a few months, and then I pr- basically never played it again. And now it's 
like evolved to something that I, that I barely recognize, which is cool. I mean, it's cool that it has mm-hmm. kept evolving even after Microsoft bought it. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So like, I'll I'll, I'll read just so people can get an idea. Um, if if you have not been following it, um, that it's it's about ten years old, but and it's probably gone up and down uh, a little bit. Um, but it just recently Microsoft who bought it, I think about two years ago, um, two or three, maybe about two, three years ago, they just announced, uh, about two weeks ago that it has hit 112 million monthly players. So about over a hundred million people every month are playing the game. Uh, which is a 20 million increase. This is from a Forbes uh, article about it that we'll put in the show notes. Uh, a 20 million increase over the last time they reported that, which was in October of 2018. So it's, it, it is a 10 year old game that is not only still popular, but might be more popular than ever, which yeah. is pretty incredible. It is incredible, but but then again, there's nothing quite like it. I mean, there are like other like voxel-based building uh, games out there. Ro- Ro- Roblox probably being the other big one, which yeah. is different because it's it's more of like a a modding thing. Um, right. Minecraft does have mods, but Roblox is more about um, creating games within the game very explicitly. Right. Um, and. And I mentioned this at some point during the, our interview that's coming out after after this. Uh, that mm-hmm. Minecraft is like the potato; you can use it for almost anything. <laughs> and and there, yes. I mean, yeah. have you have you seen have you seen like the the, the the complete like working CPUs that people have made with redstone in Minecraft? I mean, it's insane. No, but uh, and again, uh, uh, Steve Isaacs, our guest, uh, that we'll uh, introduce in a, in a second. Um, they uh, he he uh, talks about a video, or and I bring it up that that shows some of the crazy things you can do. And I remember years ago hearing when people are like, "Oh, I just created a, a working uh, processor within Minecraft," which is it's yeah, it 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 is very much. And you're right, there is nothing like it because it it is a pure sandbox experience like you can do almost anything inside of it with with enough knowledge and with enough uh you know sweat equity if you will yeah and there's a lot of different tools that have this like emerging complexity when they all go together and i think that's why it's so like probably more flexible than most of the other it's it's certainly all, all the other games that have like a dedicated educational version Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and there's minecraft edu which just came out of, uh about two years ago or so mm. um and you know obviously has a lot of built-in but even without the edu edition um there's so much that can be done as and so certainly th- thinking about teachers you can do almost anything like it's yeah. it's that it's that flexible and and many of your kids in the classroom will have tons of experience that they could mm. bring in at the same time, and I don't think I'm wrong in assuming this, I think also Minecraft is the one game that's used wrongly the most, like in a in a in a not necessarily a smart or good or productive way in schools, because it's so popular with the kids and and it's maybe some it's easy to assume for some maybe that that as long as they're playing Minecraft or doing something then it's like educational or worthwhile. Um, my favorite example is is spending a whole lot of time. Uh, 
wondering where to place a block in order to build a, a like a Viking ship instead of actually learning about the Vikings. If you yeah. spend more time thinking about where to place the damn block instead of, well, learning about actual history, then you have a problem. Yeah, it's 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 a, yeah, it can be kind of a tricky beast that way in the sense that because it's so popular and because it's so flexible, in many ways the barrier to entry is very low. But because it's so big and because it's so flexible, it, it yeah exactly you can kind of create um it, it, I guess it would be kind of like I remember growing up I don't know if it was the same in Norway but oftentimes when there were choice projects you could like create a board game and a lot of kids would realize that that was actually kind of an easy way to do nothing because you would yep. just take out your sharpie and do like shoots and ladders and throw on a couple <laughs> like you know facts about whatever topic you were doing and you know it was terrible and you didn't learn much but yeah. um so so you can kind of repeat like the shoots and ladder mistake in minecraft if, yeah, if you you're can. not careful yeah yeah you can because like really really smart and clever units or lesson plans with minecraft it's still difficult to, to make i mean minecraft minecraft is not like an autocomplete button or anything um, there was this a Norwegian teacher. I think it was last summer, last year actually. There was a report on her. She had, she was teaching like a vocational uh, construction program. I think, in in uh, she was had was there a Norwegian teacher, and she like made a whole like, di several different plots of land in Minecraft where the students had to like they had to write like uh, applications for like being actually permitted to build on the land. They had to create blueprints on what construction they wanted to make and from what materials and then they could actually do the thing uh, so she used Minecraft in such a clever way and there was such like a cool way of um, framing it within like the curriculum and what they actually like she, she made it so that it would actually provide a framework for doing the tasks that they would were very closely related to what these these, these students were, were going to work as in the future um, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool stuff. I mean, I was just surprised. I was looking at today with my students in school, and we were talking about esports. And one of the leagues that we're looking at, the the uh, the high school esports league, um, one of the games they include is Minecraft. And oh. we, and yeah, and me, <laughs> me, all the students that we all kind of looked at each other. We're like, wait, what? And we looked I at have, it. I have so many questions. Yeah, it's apparently they use survival survival mode. Which is, um, you know, kind of like a like a deathmatch type thing, and uh, they what it is is it's kind of a ten, it's kind of like a battle royale situation, mm. and then the top ten survivors. So if you're the tenth person left, you get one point, and if you are the uh, final person uh, alive, last uh, last guy standing, you get fifteen points. Oh, I see. Um, so yeah, I, I looked at that and we were both like, oh, well actually that kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But um, I assume but, that would have some mechanism to like limit the, the size of the world. Yeah. I mean, I don't, again, I am a very much, uh, a Minecraft neophyte. I mean, I think I played it for a little bit. I, my own bias, sorry for anyone listening. I'm not a huge Minecraft person because I am not a huge sandbox gamer. Like for me, I, I like a, a little bit more of a structured uh, kind of experience. Uh, yeah, so, sure. so Minecraft for me is like very much on the end of the spectrum that I, I, oh, I kind of bounce off of. So I, I don't know you, a whole lot about it. Yeah, yeah. it's 
No, I, I see where you're, I see where you're coming from, totally. And it's a huge time sink. I mean, it's basically a game that you can only play when you have like ample amounts of free time, which none of us do. Yeah, but you do if you're like a ten-year-old. Yeah, it, I think that's often why it's 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 very youth-oriented game because because there's so much you can do. Yeah, if you have free time, you can you can do quite a bit, and it's. Mm. Not impossible, but um, yeah, I, I do agree with you that it's a hard thing to just jump in and out. And like if you have, you know, an hour a night, you know, sure, you could do stuff, but it probably the, the there's probably diminishing returns mm. depending mm. on how little time you have um, compared to like a, a card game you know, like Hearthstone or Gwent where, you know, you can log in play a couple games, you know, for 20, 30 minutes and log out and feel like you got a lot done. Yeah. Um, as far as like, yeah. you know, uh, tuning your deck or climbing up the ladder, that, that type of thing. Speaking of time sinks, did you see the guy who had played for five years on like permadeath mode in Minecraft? No. And then he died, wow. to, like, and then he di he died to like a spider or some like stupid low, low level enemy or something. That's how it always happens. That's... How would you deal with like I, he had invested like five years in this 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 one game of Minecraft, and then he's yeah up. I mean and that's that's kind of cool with Minecraft is that you there are so many ways that you can you you can play the game where you can yeah. do a challenge like that or you can just do creative type stuff with your friends and you can actually in the Forbes article mentions this you can actually see other games realizing that they try to copy off a bit of it where Fortnite, which was the game that everyone copied when it went big, you know, mm. there was a battle royale and everything. Uh, I think they have really recently in kind of an ironic twist, they've started pouring a lot of time and development into their creative mode, which is almost, um, you know, kind of like uh, the, the, the most Minecraft uh, mode <laughs> in that game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. But there's there's new stuff coming to Minecraft that isn't like there's there's spin-offs that's coming up. Yeah, so it's 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 correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Minecraft Earth is that it? That's one. There, but there there are two, actually. There. Yeah, what's the other one? Minecraft Dungeons. It's a dungeon crawler, or an Re RP, RP, action RPG spin-off. Really, I didn't know about this. What's but, do you know? Do you know much about it? I, I, I think no. It, it, I just remembered it uh, just now a few minutes ago. It's 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 basically the same type of game as Diablo, Diablo or Path of Exile. Like I think it's like a top-down action RPG dungeon crawler crawler thing. Yeah, uh -huh. it's yeah, it's yeah. You're right. It's a it's a dungeon crawler Diablo style thing, um, and it is not. It's released. It's coming out in June. Yeah, for, for just about every platform. Yeah, and it's isometric, so you see it like from the top down, slightly slightly tilted, the same way you would do like your Baldur's Gates and your Diablos and everything. Uh, I don't, but I don't, I don't know more about it. About as I said from that, I assume there will be an emphasis on user created content because it's Minecraft. Um, but apart from that, I don't know much, and it's multiplayer, obviously. I'm looking at it and. I don't really see a lot of anything that makes it different than the dozens of other things, other than the fact that it's got the Minecraft aesthetic. Mm. Which I assume could like um, lure in some some players that wouldn't otherwise be interested in those kind of games, maybe. Yeah, it seems like it. So I guess we're 
I guess where it comes in is no. Okay, no, I'm looking at something else. I don't. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe someone who's been following it closer can chime in on Twitter or on the Facebook page if there's there's something Minecraft about it. But yeah, looking at it now, I I really just see the aesthetic. But yeah. Hey, you know, more options are always good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an accurate observation. But there's also, like you said, uh, Minecraft Earth. Yeah, so this seems to be kind of their big swing at something different. And that is them, if you want to take the cynical kind of market approach, is uh, Microsoft and, and, and uh, their Minecraft outfit going after Pokemon Go, which, uh, as another Forbes article says, is similar to the classic Minecraft itself because it is also a fairly long-standing game that many people thought might kind of crash and burn, but has stayed pretty pretty popular in the couple of years that, uh, that it's gone on. Um, and Minecraft Earth is supposed to be an AR type thing where you hold your phone up and you point it out and you can you know, fight off creeps and build a castle on, on your front lawn and everyone can kind of see it as they hold up their, you know, their AR enabled device like their iPhone or, or iPad and that type of thing, yeah. which in theory, I guess does sound pretty cool in yeah. theory. In theory, because I have two big questions regarding this. One yeah. is how do they manage like the tracking of it? Like how do they, how could they like ensure that both of us with our phones see pretty much the same thing on this on the same in the same place i i suppose other... it's kind of like geotagged like pokemon go but like yeah but the... you would you would i assume you would have to be even more precise than that because like the gps signals can like fluctuate here and there uh, yeah i mean i'm not sure, I... I'm not sure. i don't know what, what, but the other, other question, question about yeah uh, um how what they have to like put in some kind of filter to keep all uh, out all the you know what's that people are going to build. Yeah, I was gonna say um, I teach <laughs> an all boys school, and that is gonna be the first thing that they're gonna build is is lots of shall we say Freudian uh, inspired structures of yes. uh, all over the place. And I I'm off the top of my head, I'm gonna bet that you it's gonna have a fairly robust reporting system yes um but yeah, because uh, it, it yeah. would be difficult i assume it would be difficult to write like some kind of uh algorithm or whatever that searches for shapes of that that kind um mm -hmm. but i don't I, i'm not a software developer so i don't know yeah um and maybe it'll be kind of like uh the minecraft um classic kind of version where you know you'll have um you know maybe private realms where it's like you could kind of go open and see everything or you could just mm. kind of have a more closed off like you can only see what you and your friends are, are building type of thing mm. um but i don't you know as i look into it i don't i don't see that right now but uh i do believe that the early access is starting this month so okay we will we will begin to get you know some feedback and some some information on that because in theory again in theory it sounds pretty cool but in theory um, yeah i'm when it comes to ar things i don't i don't really see us there yet but the, but the concept is super cool the idea of like meeting up with your friends and like in the out in out and about in the real world and, and actually like 
fighting mobs and 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 gathering loot and everything. Um, yeah. It's quite a quite a large step up from Pokemon Go, which which had like play interaction, but like fairly limited, very indirect amounts of it. It's 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 from apart from trainer battles that you just got like what half a year ago or something. Yeah, I mean, I I got in on the Pokemon Go thing when it first came out, and it was cool. It got me to walk around my neighborhood and stuff a little bit, but I dropped off of it mostly because I didn't really feel like there was a lot of game that I was playing. Like, I was walking around and tapping my screen kind of randomly, and then that was it. Yeah, and it's still pretty. that's still pretty much it. There are some new things, but yeah. So introducing more, like, proper game mechanics... Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be cool, but then um, there. But as far as I know, there's still only these like pre-rendered uh, trailers that shows us like like the basic concept. But I mm-hmm. don't think there's any like actual real life, real time demonstrations of it. I don't. I don't think so, at least. Again, I will. I will be very skeptical until I see it out in the open because a lot of the mobile AR stuff. Um, yeah, again, it feels like walking around, holding up your phone, and just tapping the screen. Yeah, it's pretty, um, pretty wonky and pretty bare bones. But again, it Pokemon Go is still going strong. There are still millions of people playing that every day. So you know, the just having that AR element and that kind of real world layer to it, um, it certainly is a, a pretty big hook. Mm. Um, and I, I'm definitely, like I said, I'm excited to see as it gets more game mechanics and as more things get added to it. Um, I, I, I certainly see it paying off in the long term. Yeah, I just hope there aren't like too many like re- really, really like predatory microtransactions or anything. Yeah, anything aimed at kids, you got to be careful. But uh, what it is interesting that a lot of there does seem to be a lot of skepticism on the, both the, the, the legal front and in the kind of the critis, uh, critical spheres about that. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, we, we will see. Yes. So I guess it's soon time to, to move on to our, our, our guests for this episode. Yeah, so you are in for a treat, everyone. Um, if you don't know Mr. Steve Isaacs, uh, then uh, you should because he is uh, certainly for me. I met him, I would say, in my moment at the, at the moment where I jumped into the game based learning world and began to realize people are out there. Uh, at the games and education conference he was there i I met him there along with paul darvazi you know previous guest um and really uh he uh, he was already kind of running ahead of a lot of us and in lots of cool ways and as far as i know he has to be one of the busiest people that i've ever met (laughs) i never see him not interacting on social media I never see him not starting something new and, and leading some project and at a conference. Um, and he does cool things where I've even seen him on social media during the school day, but working in a lot of the things he does with students, which is very cool. So it's not yeah. like he's, you know, just kind of mindlessly chasing retweets. He is just always doing cool things as far as I can tell. And, and that makes him a pretty amazing guy. Yeah. I mean, you have these people that are like, like, uh, cornucopias of like energy and just just never run out it seems yeah i know he is just the most energetic guy ever he's one of the nicest guys ever he's one of the most energetic guys and so if you are somehow not following him not looking into his stuff uh i i highly recommend yeah. uh getting get, getting to see what he's up to uh, after you listen to this episode uh, which will give you yeah. a few 
a few places to start. Um, because he's he's just doing so much, especially his main thing, as you'll find out, is about game design in the classroom, which is a really cool way of of doing game based learning quite explicitly, but also doing a lot of cool things about giving students more choice, which I've mm. become a huge advocate for in almost every dimension. Yeah, and I will uh, I will call attention to, to the to call the listeners attention to attention to at, at least two things that. I, two things that I can think about right now. The one mm-hmm. is that notice how Steve, uh, both in like this interview and in the video that we, I think, I think we have attached in the show notes, um, the actions that like he designs his teaching around certain actions that the students perform in Minecraft. And those actions are very closely linked to, or, or even like completely overlapping with the, I'm assuming with the uh, curricular goals that in the course, in the stuff that he teaches. And the other thing is, even if you aren't interested in using Minecraft, uh, I, uh, when when Steve talks about how, he, like, about his basic approach to using Minecraft, uh, I would, his like his basic approach and his strategy for how to approach the game, how to approach uh, how he like builds on the students' knowledge of the game. I think that basic approach is like a a, a scheme or or like a, a strategy that that everyone can can use probably in some in some way or another even though you're not using minecraft um because then you don't you as a teacher don't have to be like the gaming expert you're the one who sits on like the on on the curriculum knowledge and and designs the learning goals and and everything but you can your students can be a huge i I think i also point this out during our conversation your students can be a huge uh, asset and a huge help when you're for the like this teacher who's just starting out using games or the experienced teacher that's using a game that they don't know much about mm-hmm. yeah it's like i said it's uh, like i said before it's it's a, it's a very low barrier to entry just to try it out um and there's tons of i think one of the reasons that it's gotten so popular is because there's so many tutorials out there like it's such a an easy game to teach others about like when Mm. you show them how to do things and and you know showing different examples and getting inspired when you see someone has created something so in that way it's a very easy thing to jump into um if you have not already and um strongly recommend if if it if your interest is peaked by any of this and you've never played minecraft go check it out there's a lot of free trials and samples that you can get they make it very easy for you to to kind of just dip your toes into and I think a lot of people once they once yeah. they get a taste of it, they they tend to fall in pretty deeply. Yeah, and it can since it's so big and since there's so much, it can be a bit overwhelming to like dip your toes into it. But I, I Steve is uh, at the end of the show. Uh, the show Steve will come with a, a, a quite a lot of different resources and other things that you can will help you get you going. Um, yeah, and 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 one we should mention is Steve's, uh, you know, conference uh, network that he has uh, done an amazing job creating. And it, for me, it just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere, where all of a sudden Steve uh, had his own Minecraft convention series going on all over the country and maybe all over the world. Has he gone outside of the U.S.? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think so. But anyway, so it's called Mind Fair, and he'll talk a little bit about that in the episode. But right now, on October 3rd, uh, when we are recording this, if you are interested, on November 2nd and 3rd in Queens, New York, 
he's having uh, the next mind fair. And then after Christmas, if you're in or near Philadelphia on December 28th and 29th is another, uh, uh, the second announced uh, mind fair. So if you are into mind fair, or just want to go see a lot of the cool things, he has a lot of educational things going on there. Uh, those are cool things to check out. So again, that's Queens, November 2nd and 3rd and Philadelphia, December 28, 29. Yeah. We can obviously go on and on about Minecraft because it's, there's so much to talk about and it's, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's probably impossible to not have at least heard of it by now. Yeah, so again, uh, but, I don't I don't even like it, but it's such a cool thing just to see that's going out there. So I mean, yeah, if, I any, mean if anything, that's uh, that, that's a big deal. And I assume it's available on every platform. I can't think of a platform that it's not available on. Oh, geez, probably not. I know it's iPad, uh, Switch, Switch, uh, uh, PlayStation, Xbox. Android uh pc and mac so yeah it, it's it's hard not to play it if you're yeah. interested yeah and i think it's mostly the same version on any, every platform i think so at least i think so there's yeah i know pocket which is the mobile one does have mm. some limitations yeah um and i but, know that depending on what console you're on like you may need access to to like the different online network su subscriptions to be able yeah, to play sure. online so it, it depends but there are yeah, a lot of it, options it either way and the last thing I would like to point out is that Minecraft EDU, I think at least, is EDU done right. There are a lot of different educational games, and many of them are, are quite bad, sadly. Mm -hmm. Minecraft EDU is EDU done right, because yeah. it, it's, it's made with the classroom in mind. It's made with social interaction between teachers and students in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, for me at least, that's what, like, the key difference between a bad and a good educational game. Yeah, so if you're if you're a teacher out there, um, uh, or a parent or administrator who's interested in bringing it into the classroom, it's a great just kind of good starting point from a curricular point of view that that should be able to get the ball rolling. Just we have to just briefly apologize for for the background. There's some background noise on Steve's part because mm -hmm. there was it was very difficult for us to uh, schedule appointment where all of us uh, had the time to talk since I'm in Norway and you guys were over in the states. Mm -hmm. um so he, he was at a coffee shop at the time so there is some like background noise but it's hopefully it's not too aggravating or too bad yeah so uh sorry about that if it becomes a thing um so here is steve isaacs uh a game design teacher out of new jersey who's going to tell us all about uh the cool things that are going on with minecraft in and out of the classroom Today we are joined by Steve Isaacs, who uh, is one of, I would say, one of the first people I got to know in the game-based learning world. And I quickly saw him as someone who uh, was certainly a leader uh, you know, in this area. And I quickly started paying attention to just about everything that he was involved in. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about Steve, um, and then we can go ahead and get started. Steve Isaacs has been teaching for 26 years. For the past 20 years, yeah, he has been at William Annan Middle School in Basking Ridge, New Jersey, where he teaches a game design and development curriculum. Steve has found that the collaborative possibilities in Minecraft are an incredible tool for game development. And for the past three years, Steve has also been deeply involved in a research study on the uses of virtual reality in the classroom, particularly content creation in virtual environments. 
Recently, Steve became one of the producers of Mindfair, a massive Minecraft fan experience all over the nation, maybe even the world, Steve. Get, uh, and uh, Steve speaks on games and learning issues pretty much all the time. Anyone who knows Steve's work is amazed about he and often his family seem to be at every games and learning event on and offline. Steve Isaacs, welcome to the Good Game Podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm very glad to be here. I'm actually very glad you guys started this podcast. It's a great opportunity to bring us all together in some rich conversation around everything we're so excited and passionate about. Yeah, which gets us into one of the biggest names that there is um, other than uh, Fortnite right now, and that would be Minecraft. Uh, and I would say, you know, Minecraft was the Fortnite before Fortnite as far as, uh, you know, video game sensation among among the youth. So, um, but uh, before we get specifically into Minecraft, uh, Steve, just tell us a little bit, how did you get into using games in the classroom uh, and then a little bit specifically about Minecraft? Sure. Uh, so actually about, gosh, it must be 20, it's over 20 years ago now, um, my wife and I and another couple opened up a computer training and soon became also a gaming center in our in the small town where I actually teach now before I was even teaching here I was actually in another district at the time and our mission there was to offer creative uses for technology and and teach sort of you know just exciting innovative things to kids and a lot of that was done through summer camps and after school programs and sort of by accident maybe um, you know we started using games quite a bit part I think in part because it made a lot of sense when we were, you know, trying to sell our, our programs to both kids and parents. Uh, so we would offer camps, like one was uh, focused on the game of Age of Empires, but what we would do, you know, to kind of uh, make the parents happy is the kids were doing research on the different civilizations in the game. And then, you know, the pitch to the kids was now you're going to play Age of Empires with your knowledge and, and see how that helps, you know, your civilization play through the game. and you know, that expanded to other areas of other games that made sense to kind of bring in into a learning environment. Um, it also led us to teaching game design, you know, at our center and things. So it really uh, it was really pretty exciting because I don't think game, I don't think the term of game-based learning existed quite yet, but it made a whole lot of sense to use games as a tool for teaching. Uh, and then I brought that with me as I did end up in the district where I am now. It's so interesting that you should mention Age of Empires. That was uh, my my like fifth grade teacher way back. Uh, was that was one of my like my first experiences with games in the classroom was uh, the first Age of Empires game. Oh, that's it's, awesome! It's, it's it's cool how you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, it's such a great game because it's you know one of those kind of like civilization where the game mechanics and the gameplay, you know, do what we always want, which is truly engage kids in the gameplay. But at the heart of it, there's, you know, there is, you know, some incidental learning without having to, you know, bang the kids over the head with, with the learning part. Yeah, I, I find that that's often the kind of the, in the biography of a lot of um, kind of the early adopters of games in the classroom is that you just, you know, were very deeply involved in games. And, and to you, the learning was just kind of, you know, obvious and built in. Um, so why not just transfer it uh, into the professional space? Um, but what about Minecraft specifically? So how did you find your way into Minecraft and, and, and getting it into your into your teaching practice? 
about uh, six years ago, I think it was, is probably about when I started going to some professional conferences. And uh, before that, I was kind of like on my own, you know, uh, doing some of this stuff. But but I didn't really have that community. And then, uh, you know, as we talk about the tribe, that's when I, I think I joined um, and found the tribe. And through that, you know, at this first conference, and it was actually the Games and Learning uh Games and Learning Symposium uh, are one of our favorites up there in in Albany, and Games and Education. Games yep. and Education, silly making. Okay, so I, you know, that was the first time I met like Marion Malmstrom and Peggy Sheehy and uh, uh, gosh, a number of other people, Chris Haskell, Lucas Gillespie, and so some of them were using Minecraft. That was kind of like you know piqued my interest. And that's when I also got more, I was already involved to an extent on Twitter, I guess, but I obviously got more involved at that point and started finding more people that were interested in talking about Minecraft. And, you know, at the same time, my students were always talking about Minecraft. And, you know, my feeling was, if it's that important to these kids, let me find a way to bring it in. And it wasn't a huge stretch because I understood the sandbox nature of the game. I hadn't been really playing it yet, so I had that little trepidation of how much do I have to know and all. And luckily, I probably because of my conversations with these people, I, I quickly let go of that and you know looked to the students and said, hey, we're going to bring this in. And my first thought was I would have kids create adventure maps. Uh, that was the first thing I kind of understood that people were doing. And then, you know, thanks to, I, I, I give a lot of credit to Marianne Malmstrom because I think she was the one who kind of set me on the path of like, don't really worry about, you know, setting this assignment for the kids, you know, let them drive, drive the experience a bit. So, you know, so at that point, I, because it was a game design class, I said, okay, here's your assignment, create a game in Minecraft. Um, they still followed what I do with all games. They had to write a design document. So they still had to set the structure and the, the design for their game, but they had, you know, autonomy in terms of what they were going to create. And, and that was neat because kids came up with some really neat ideas. I mean, we had one of the things that was super cool at that point was, you know, these are things kids know that I didn't know. But um, apparently if you um, pick a villager, it will just go forward and you don't necessarily have to like, and it will just keep, you know, doing like doing this. So um, a couple of kids made a soccer game where the villager was the soccer ball and it actually worked perfectly, you know, so that was something that I would not have out of the gate said, hey, how about if you all create a soccer game with villagers, you know, so the kids really did a lot. Um, and then I even had a kid who had a server at home and he volunteered to, you know, kind of manage a server for class and he would then take on all of the, you know, the aspects of that and teach me what I needed to know, but figure out what we needed as a class to make this all work. So it was a really neat opportunity and experience in looking to the kids for, for bringing their expertise in. And quite honestly, I mean, to this day, I consider that a transformational moment in my, you know, approach to teaching and learning. Yeah. It's very scary for teachers to let go. Um, and give the students more autonomy. And I think that's one of the things that's great about game-based learning is that it gives you a set structure in which to give them more freedom. Um, it it which, does. Which, which makes it feel less less like anarchy. Sure. More like controlled chaos. Yeah, and it's also one of the most liberating things you can do. Like I couldn't believe how 
my joy, you know, I mean, I was always, I always loved teaching, but a new joy came about when I came in each day and, and saw that, you know, I wasn't sure what the day was going to bring and, and, you know, kind of took on this idea of learning with and from my kids. And it was just like, you know, it really showed me so much about what, um, you know, student-driven and passion-based learning could be. So, you know, I, I hope others hear that and realize that it doesn't have to be scary as long as we do it with um with with intention you know because uh you know there's times there are things we could do wrong when we think we're just going to put it all in the kids hands and there is um i think there's a little bit of a sort of a a, a, a thoughtful strategy that has to go into mm -hmm. that yeah you, you definitely have to be comfortable with um letting go of, of at least one hand on the wheel so to speak yeah um, totally but uh, at the same time that like you said uh, steve how it's um you sh there's you shouldn't teachers teachers shouldn't shouldn't necessarily be afraid of like releasing said said control because the game um kind of takes over the steering for a while in, in yeah. a way so it, like you said doesn't veer completely out of control um so yeah and also what you like uh, definitely uh, can echo echo what you said about um uh, games in the classroom not only being uh, engaging for the students but by all means also for the teacher for uh, sure hmm and that yeah. uh, I don't I don't think we can uh, uh, like emphasize that enough about how 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 much other good the good good things can come out of just um, teachers and students both being more engaged in the classroom. Yeah, that, that's a really great point. Uh, so, Steve, before we move on, can you uh, just for the audience and those listening at home give a brief overview of, of Minecraft and what the kind of the basic experience is like? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at the core, Minecraft is a game about, you know, about uh, breaking blocks and building with blocks and, and gathering resources and mining, you know, and, 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 um, and actually crafting items with resources. That's if you're playing like survival, let's say. In creative mode, though, you have a complete... Um, you know, open canvas with all of the blocks that are available in the game, which is pretty extensive to build with and create with. So what's kind of neat about that in an educational context is that, you know, in my case, kids have to, you know, do a lot of problem solving and automation within that. And there are tools within the game for that. Like there's something called Redstone that allows you to work with like electric circuits and engineering. And then there are things like command blocks that allow you to automate things by having commands embedded in the game. Um, and that works really well for what I'm doing and also for when kids try to create other types of learning experiences in Minecraft. But the, the sort of um, open canvas uh, provides so many interesting uh, opportunities for any content area because if you've seen what some of these other educators are doing, I mean, they're going very deep with um, both themselves creating learning experiences for kids based on the content of their class, but also engaging the kids in co-creation of these learning experiences. And that's all available because, you know, if you think of it like a tool that allows you to build and create anything you can imagine, you know, that's probably the most important thing to think about when you think about Minecraft. Yeah, I can remember you showing a video, I think it was for a keynote, it might have been at Games in Education, where you were showing off uh, one of the student creations yes. uh, that was a game. I think it was. It looked like it was like some type of carnival type game uh, where they were shooting like bone arrows at, at 
you know, ducks or something. And I remember looking at that and be like, oh, that's, that's cute. That's nice. And then you kind of stop the video and you're like, and now let's see how that works. And the camera kind of panned around to the back of it. And it was like this amazing labyrinth of all of these switches and mechanisms that, that were incredibly complex. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's the moneymaker right, right there. And, and I love that video too, because, um, from a, a, a standpoint of sort of humility in a sense, you know, I'm talking with the kids during that video. I, I you know, I use that one all the time. Um, the game was called cart wreck and what they're doing in the game is just like you said, it's a carnival game. What they have is, um, mine carts that come across. And just like you said, you're trying to shoot them just as if they were ducks coming across and there's a whole scoring mechanism and everything. So it's at the heart of it, it's a simple, simple mini game. And then, like you said, you know, when I was even, um, videoing the kids on my phone at the time, it's a crappy video. Um, the, when I go around and they start explaining this to me, I mean, it's, I could not have created what they created and it's really humbling in a really exciting way when you can kind of have kids figure something like that out on their own. And, and the kids cracked me up because if you, you know, uh, maybe we could put a, a link to that video in the show notes. But, oh, yeah, uh, that will that'll definitely be in there. Yeah, but they, um, you know, at one point they talked about how they created their game and they said, yeah, we've created this over the last couple of days. And I mean, it's like this mammoth amount of uh, redstone and, and command blocks and just, you know, it's really very, very cool. It was that was. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that project. Yeah, it's a per perfect example of the kind of kind of uh, creation that can be possible when when you get, let kids loose in the, in the Minecraft sandbox. Um, so speaking of, of projects like that, um, how have you and other teachers um, that that come to mind? How have you used Minecraft effectively, um, other than just you know letting them uh, run run wild and, and create things? So um, so my seventh graders, I teach a six week seventh grade course that every seventh grader in the building takes. And in that one, that's because it's a six week course, that one's a little more structured than say my eighth grade elective. And in that class, um, the kids actually do what works really well as an English language arts activity as well. And a lot of language arts teachers have adopted this activity. Um, they basically recreate a fairy tale, folktale or fable as a digital story slash game in Minecraft. So what's really neat about that is they first, you know, take a real regular, you know, storytelling situation and they rewrite this story. They kind of understand how Minecraft can be used as a tool for digital storytelling through non-player characters and signs. And, you know, so they're building this world to tell a story. So they're, you know, using their, you know, what you would, you know, kind of enhancing what you might do in the language arts class. And then they also create three challenges, which is kind of their first um, step towards game design. So they're kind of creating like some of them might create, you know, if it's the little, if it's um, Little Red Riding Hood, maybe they create, um, you know, over the river and through the woods and all that. Maybe the woods become a maze that Little Red Riding Hood has to go through and, and experience some obstacles and such. And then maybe there's a, a, a river she has to cross and she has resources or has to either parkour across it or build a bridge to get across and so things like that. So in that regard, you know, it's it's a pretty well structured activity. Um, and then in my eighth grade, and they could work with teams. And, and one of the things I love about Minecraft actually is it's the first tool I've ever come across in education where I've been able to say to kids, hey, you can make your team as large or as small as you want. And 
you know, for me as a teacher of game design, most game design tools are kind of like one kid, one computer, or two kids, but still at one computer because you can't work collaboratively like we would in, say, Google Docs or something. Um, but in Minecraft, everybody's in the multiplayer world, and it's it's so great because it was not meant to be a game design tool. So the multiplayer part of it is just so intuitive because it's just how the game was created, and the kids can be in there and, and assume you know appropriate roles for each kid organically, and they end up doing pretty amazing things. And you know we still have some of our issues with you know with a kid on a team not doing what they should, but it's a uh, it's much more rare than it is with other, you know, tools and things because the kids are, you know, truly engaged. Um, and then when I think of other teachers, I get really impressed by people like, um, I don't know if you know, Simon Badley and Ben uh, Spielvetter. Um, one is in Ohio, one's in the UK, and they've done some amazing high school level, um, you know, language arts, at, you know, worlds around things like Romeo and Juliet and you know, that just always impresses me when I think, you know, in other words, I'm teaching game design and it's one thing. They're teaching that. You've got, um, there was a, a long time ago, and I hope it's still being used widely, but the world of humanities was this epic world created to teach, you know, almost a whole probably humanities curriculum through essentially a game experience. Um, and then you have teachers who, you know, again, aren't going to be the ones building it, but might be able to say, hey, we're learning about these, you know, different areas in ancient Egypt. Each group can create one of these structures and in the game, you know, um, demonstrate their understanding and sort of teach about this to the rest of the class, you know. So you get some neat experiences like that that could happen as well. But it's the first also game in terms of game-based learning that I've seen that has been used in every curriculum area you could ever imagine. You've got, oh, yeah. you know, you've even got Glenn Urban doing amazing things with foreign languages in the game, and and that's taken off. I know a French teacher not far from me who's done wonderful things. So, you know, most games sort of get a little bit pigeonholed in, in a certain area like civilization. You know, you might use for history and humanities, but but you're not gonna. And you could use it for these other areas, but it's not as as seamless as the way people have been finding they can do it in Minecraft. Mm. Yeah, it, it's like the potato. It goes with everything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Minecraft, the the potato of game-based learning. Yeah. You know, but, and, I, and I think it's made game-based learning so accessible. Like, some people kind of even get a little bit um, almost annoyed in a sense because, and, and I can understand it too, it, it, it's almost... Um, usurped the whole world of game-based learning, which I don't want to see. I mean, I want to see it expand the world of game-based learning, but uh, but I think, you know, I hope it starts to make people just understand that with creativity, games in general can really be effective teaching and learning tools. Mm. Yes. I, I, oh, Tobias, go ahead. Yes, I just want to point out that I think you, Steve, uh, touch, uh, I, think, I think you put up one, like, one of the, for me, most important things of ways of thinking about game-based learning is that it's uh you mentioned like using minecraft uh, in unintended unintended ways i think that's like one of the key ways of thinking about learning in, and against and learning it's inherently uh, appropriative in a way that you have to like think about the games and uh, you're using and try to identify the 
uh, stuff that you want to use in ways that they weren't intended to, but that you find uh, useful in your classroom. And uh, it's, that's uh, on the teacher's part. That's a huge, uh, a very important point, I think, about thinking about games in this way. Yeah, it's definitely one thing is that surprise is something that is um, quite the rare resource in classrooms for both. Uh, you know, it's kind of teachers and students within the curriculum and it, Minecraft and other games are perfect delivery systems uh, for that. And uh, we, we, we forget sometimes how uh, predictable it can be for, for students on a day in and day out. Um, yeah, which is, is, is something that we should all be mindful of um, no matter what. And, and Steve, you mentioned so creativity and, and some of these other things. So what, what skills do you see students developing while they're, they're playing Minecraft um, in and out of the classroom? Yeah, so, and that's a really great question too, because I guess it depends how you're using it, right? Like some teachers are using it to sort of deliver content in a sense. And if, if that's the case, they're, you know, kind of exploring and, and learning the content because they're immersed in it, which is great. In my class, the skills they're learning and in a lot of others, especially when the kids are the ones creating the content, they're learning, I mean, you know, it's, it's computational thinking when you get into the coding aspect. Um, the Redstone stuff is like about as, as great of a tool for design thinking and engineering as I could ever imagine um, because, you know, they're solving these pretty complex problems in the game. Uh, and then, of course, there's the creativity piece. I mean, we talk a lot about wanting to sort of like, can we teach creativity? Well, we can provide opportunities where kids can express creativity in, in really powerful ways, and that happens here. Uh, and then again, it, you know, like, it really depends how it's being used, because I've seen teachers use it to teach math concepts where they're not learning the concept because of the game mechanic in that case, but by the creative way the teacher's using it. Where again, in, in my class, I think they are learning some pretty great skills. Um, we even use the, you know, code builder, which allows you to now connect um, coding uh, apps like Microsoft Make Code, Tinker, and Scratch, and actually code in those environments, and then execute your code in Minecraft. So you could really teach an entire uh, coding curriculum, which is actually available. Um, Douglas and Mary Kiang from uh, from Hawaii. They created this pretty awesome, I think it's a pretty much meant for like maybe eighth grade or middle school computer science curriculum with Make Code and Minecraft. So, I mean, what a great way for kids that love the game to begin with to now, you know, code and manipulate the game and, you know, that way. Yeah, and this is probably a great time to mention that there is an addition uh, of Minecraft specifically for schools. Uh, my, Minecraft education, um, and I believe that that coding edition is is one of the newest modules that that they added. Yeah, they um, also and now that you mentioned that too, they also added this amazing chemistry, um, you know, integration. So you can do pretty wild things with um, combining. Uh, I don't even know much about chemistry, but combining elements and and you know analyzing you know and, and breaking down and creating cool things in Minecraft that demonstrate the the uh, properties of chemistry uh, and it's kind of cool because my daughter who is taking chemistry um, one day I was asking oh do you have any games that teach chemistry I'm like well as a matter of fact and we got into Minecraft and we had some fun with with that um, so yeah there's there's that as well and education edition you know the intent is to make it you know really accessible for schools um, 
you know, I'm seeing more and more schools and even whole districts and maybe even some states adopting it to make it accessible, um, you know, for teachers and students to use. So I I think there's even more exciting things to come as they really, really do some great rollouts of, of of Minecraft Education Edition. And just to, to also make one point about Education Edition, for one, it's not absolutely necessary that you have Education Edition to, to use Minecraft in schools. There are a few features of Education Edition that were designed to make, you know, to help with things like learning and assessment. But really at the heart, it's still the full game of Minecraft, just with a few other, you know, um, you know resources that make it you know, helpful in the learning environment. Uh, but if you don't have access to that, you know, that's not a showstopper. And on a very exciting note, they just released um, Minecraft Education Edition for the iPad. So that makes it available to so many more schools that might, you know, not have PCs running Windows 10 or what have you. Yeah, and I'm sure that, that, that they do things to try to make like the licensing um, right. and kind of the logistic um, adaption a bit easier. Yes, exactly. Um, yes, and so that would be a great time to also ask, so what what other existing resources uh, do you recommend? So if, if you're a teacher who has maybe heard of Minecraft or uh, maybe is just learning about it now and, and just says, wow, this is, this is great, I, I really need to get this into my classroom – um, other than the Minecraft uh, Education Edition, where where mm-hmm. would you point them? Well, so the gosh, for one, one of the things I've really learned to leverage in class um, is YouTube and the Minecraft Wiki, because what what you start to learn this is another thing, sort of an unintended outcome of using Minecraft in school is this is kids are learning in very interesting ways in informal environments without us showing them how to find these resources. Um, so I love to have teachers start to use these same tools and just kind of get a sense for what that's like. So there are just amazing um, tutorials on YouTube and um, anything you need to know and reference, you, you look up, like just do a quick search and it shows up in the wiki. And what that shows, I think, is how this game that had no instruction manual whatsoever has more resources out there than any other game I can imagine. Um, so it's all out there. So that's one really positive thing. Um, there's even a YouTuber, and there are probably plenty, but one that I love is OMG Chad, and he has a site called, um, I think it's OMG uh, something, or uh, OMG Craft, and that's his maybe his Minecraft-specific tutorial videos, and he's so, so, you know, easy to watch and listen to and, and, and helpful. So you've got these great resources like that. Um, another great resource is your students uh, that would love to come in during lunchtime and help out or teach you. You know, there's, I've never met a kid yet that hasn't been super excited about showing me things in Minecraft. Um, and then you have the education site, which is education.minecraft.net. And that has, I mean, you know, an enormous uh, library of lesson plans that have been created, submitted, and vetted. Um, created by teachers and vetted by the education team. So, you know, every content area you can imagine, there are lesson plans. There's the uh, Minecraft mentor community, which I'm part of, where you can actually set up a Skype call with a Minecraft mentor, you know, where they'll be more than happy to just chat with you about maybe getting started or onboarding or what have you. And that's all free. And yes, yeah, so, I mean, there, and then the Minecraft EDU 
and play Minecraft EDU hashtag is widely used to share resources on Twitter and the Playcraft Learn uh, Twitter account is access to the actual education team. Um, and then, you know, on a on a personal and, and other note, um, you know, about a, well, you had mentioned it in the beginning, um, I've been producing a show called Mindfair, which is yeah, really- I've seen you all over the country yes, with this. So, I've so been tell all us over. more about it. It's been great. Um, so, I mean, at the at the core, it's a, it's a convention for Minecraft fans. Uh, we bring 10 to 17,000 fans together, um, which is mostly kids and their parents. But one of my passions being education is we created a learning lab and an inspiration stage at all our shows, which is there for having um, hands-on workshops in the learning lab all day, you know, through the weekend, as well as presentations on this inspiration stage, which is people sharing some of the cool stuff they've done, which is a combination of sometimes kids are the ones presenting, sometimes teachers, sometimes uh, you know, Minecraft, you know, content creators. And, you know, my, my original vision for that area was to have this cool hangout area for educators that love Minecraft to come and meet like-minded people. Um, it hasn't exactly become that, but there's a nice mix of some, you know, the educators that are interested, that's where they can kind of come and, and learn and connect with other mentors and educators and such. Uh, but the event itself is like just a huge celebration of this game and the community around the game. Yeah, that's fantastic. I feel like, you know, any teachers probably listening to this would, would agree that, you know, it's those informal kind of and uh, unscripted moments when you get when you get a bunch of like-minded people together that uh, you, you, t you tend to learn the most and, totally. and have the most fun, yeah. Um, yeah, Minecraft is, uh, sounds like it's a, a fantastic um, experience if, if you are curious about Minecraft or, or um, are already passionate about it. Um, so definitely go check that out um, because it, it, it'll probably end up in, in your neck of the woods relatively recently. Yeah. Or, or, uh, and soon. Yeah, 2019, um, our schedule should be coming out soon. It's going to be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so uh, we will be uh, kind of wrapping up today's episode. If you want to see more uh, about Mr. Uh, or Steve and, and, his, uh, and his work, you can check him out on Twitter at at Mr. Underscore Isaacs, I-S-A-A-C-S. Uh, you can also find some of his student work at Pinterest.com slash Steve, I is in Iowa, 2071. And of course, if you want to learn more about Mindfair, you can go to Mindfair.com. That is M-I-N-E-F-A-I-R-E.com. Steve, it has been fantastic having you on this episode. Minecraft is definitely one of those kind of first game-based learning experiences that, that anyone should check out. Um, and, and thanks for telling us all about it. Thanks, of course, for having me. I'll, I'll take any opportunity to chat with you guys. Awesome. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you thanks for joining us, Steve. Oh, thank you, Tobias and, and John. No problem. And we're done.